I really do believe that if you succeed at a young age, it's a curse. And some people survive the curse and some people don't. So you have to really be aware of that. If you do something that's a, a viral hit and you're not old enough to understand all of the painstaking work that went into it, then you're in for a long road. listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And in episode 289, we have part one of Trev's updated conversation with director, animator, cartoonist, and podcast pioneer, Doug, or Doug, Bressler. Now, if that name sounds familiar, then you've done your homework. That's because Doug was one of our very first guests, all the way back in episode four. Four, that's single digits, people. So for those of you who uh, started the podcast later and have been playing catch up this whole time, this is actually going to feel kind of recent, but it's several years old now for us. But speaking of being several years old, now with many years and many dozens, if not hundreds of cartoons, Music videos, creative partnerships, podcast episodes, and high-profile studio clients under his belt. Doug rejoins IAP for a conversation about what he's learned, not only sustaining himself as a creative online entity, and wouldn't we all love to be able to do that, but also in his various collaborations with others and how he keeps things in perspective as well as a few novel ideas on how to uniquely position and market your own DIY work on the ever-changing web. All coming at you, plus some listener questions in episode 289, so stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal Pro, the essential app for actors, which is now available in a brand new version in the iTunes App Store. So if you want to learn your lines, if you want to be off book for your auditions, if you want to explore your character, make really strong choices and do a whole lot more, go to Rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now where you can learn all about the great new features in this newest version of Rehearsal, the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors actors and download it for yourself. It's an essential tool that every actor should have in their toolbox. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you by printheadshots.com, superior headshot printing. At printheadshots.com, all orders include free shipping, free retouching, free layouts, free proofs, and no hidden fees. You don't pay a dime until you approve your proofs. And you can use promo code IA, that's IA as in Inside Acting, to get $10 off your order. Most orders arrive within just a day or two. So for superior printed headshots with unparalleled turnaround time, visit printheadshots.com and be sure to use promo code IA for $10 off. Printheadshots.com, superior headshots at the lowest prices guaranteed. Hey, Trev. What's up, man? Osmiger. 
it's funny like we have we have varying degrees now we have like in person uh over skype and then one of us in the middle of nowhere <laughs> usually so you. I was, yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say it's good to be back together but we're not really we're we're together via skype yeah i won't see you at, at the at the douglas uh for a while either because we're we're sort of like dark for the next week or so so um I'm going through AJ withdrawal here. Oh, yeah. hey, well, you know what? You know what? You know what normal friends do that don't have a podcast? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they get together in person, they see each other, and hang out. That's yeah. weird. We're in LA, man. People don't do that here. Oh yes, driving. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. For, ugh. 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 I gotta get in my car. Ugh. <laughs> I'll do it for auditions. I'll do it for work. I will not do it to go see somebody I care about. Yeah. Yeah. No way. No. Uh, so, so uh, last episode and the episode before, both of which we hope you guys have listened to uh, at this point. If you have not, for some reason, listened to those episodes, go back and check them out because there's some really interesting, controversial stuff discussed by our guests, casting directors Alan Hooper, Jane Jenkins, and Caroline Leem. And um, it, it went over interestingly with uh, our audience. I would <laughs> to say, say the least. Yeah, the vast majority of our audience was uh, like, "Wow, that, that's that's nuts! I had no idea." And you know, thank you for the information. And I'm looking forward to digging in further and making up my own mind. And then we had a few listeners that were like. They were not happy about it. Um, and uh, as as we wrote in the last uh, post that accompanied the episode on the website, as well as in the newsletter, our our aim, our job, our mission with this podcast has always been to do nothing else than empower and inform actors to give them good information that they can act on, meaning they can dig further into, see if it resonates with them, and formulate their own plan of action to move forward more intelligently. It's it's easier said than done. We'll be the first to admit that. But um, these last two episodes weren't about taking sides for us. They, they were just more like, wow, that's really, really interesting. Let's hear more about that. And that's all it was. And I, I admit, uh, and I'm not sure how you feel about this, AJ, but I admit that I have sort of ping-ponged back and forth on this casting director workshop thing. Like, we'll talk to Billy, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then we'll talk to somebody else, like David H. Lawrence 17th, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 so, that one, yeah, and, all yeah, right. And my, my agent is very pro-workshop, and, you know, then we've got um, – you know, other people that are not pro workshop. And, and so it's kind of like, I, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of burnt out on the whole issue to be completely honest. But in the interest of just giving one more little shot of sort of equal weight to all these things, we, we did want to read a very brief statement just to sort of offer one last piece of, of information to help sort of temper or at least balance out or f- further, uh, hopefully help steer you towards the listener, towards something that, that resonates with your heart. So uh, should we just go ahead and read this? Do you want to tackle this, AJ? Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, uh, you know, like a, a statement, a sort of um, statement that will hopefully, uh, yeah, like you said, Trev, balance out the, uh, the opinions here. Um, <clears throat> essentially, it goes uh, as such. Uh, accept the fact that there's a problem instead of blaming law enforcement and the media. It's always a quote unquote witch hunt 
with the guilty party vilifying his accusers instead of accepting responsibility for the behavior that got them to the place they're now at. Can't fix it until then. So if you are essentially, if you are of the mind that there is a, um, there is law being broken here, which a lot of our listeners, uh, do believe, hopefully that sentiment that I just read, um, kind of speaks to you and allows you to, um, you know, feel like, um, we've done our best to kind of cover both, um, both sides of this issue as it currently stands. Um, and then as Trevor said, uh, just now, and in the last episode, uh, this is kind of it for a while. We are putting this to rest. Um, it feels weird. It feels like we're sort of retiring a, retiring a topic, almost like, I'm like, don't, don't ever like send a question about workshops to the podcast. It just feels strange to feel like we're like retiring a topic. Um, but it also feels, um, necessary because, uh, there has just been, uh, I don't know, like Trevor said, our goal, our mission has always been to disseminate, uh, good information, empower actors, inspire actors. And with this topic more than any other, it seems as though we have, uh, consistently touched upon a chord that almost doesn't allow us to do either of those to move on past it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you, I mean, there's, there's so much to talk about. I don't want to, uh, continue to beat the dead horse, but if there's anything, uh, additional Trev that you'd like to add to those words. Well, yeah, the <laughs> words, 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 uh, the, the last thing I want to <clears throat> say about this, and I think this is where sometimes people get a little up in arms with us and, and, and to be completely like transparent about it, like there were only really a handful of people that were like you inside acting pieces of shit for doing this. Like really it was a very sort of gratifying, gracious sort of response, a lot of gratitude and, and thank you for, you know, digging further into this and for sharing information and, and I'm going to move forward and do my own homework and which is exactly what we want. But I think where some of that confusion comes in and people start getting angry at us is when they think of us as journalists and, you know, we do have sort of a responsibility in that vein, sort of, not really, but sort of as a podcast. But <laughs> but to be honest, like, I, I've never seen us as journalists. We've been able to get away with it from time to time. Like when we go to something like Actor Fest, we've been able to get press passes, which is always pretty cool. But I, I, I don't consider myself a journalist. I don't think you consider yourself a, a journalist with this podcast, AJ. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but... It, it's really that that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to like get the truth of every, you know, from every guest. Like here's here's the way it is and this is the truth and this is what you should do. It's it's more like here's what worked for these people. And when it comes to these political and legal issues, you know, everybody's got a bad guy to blame. And everybody's got their side of the story and it's impossible to give what everyone is going to feel like equal weight to all sides of the argument. So I just wanted to mm. slip that in there because we're not, we're not journalists. We don't pretend to be journalists. 
sometimes we we uh, may steer in that direction, but that's not that's not what's not our mo, you know. So, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your feedback. As I said before, we we welcome your feedback uh, very much. The the good, bad, and the ugly. Please send it our way. We can take it. But uh, you know, keep keep in mind that you know what our what we said earlier about our mission. We're we're not here to to villainize people or 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 make people good guys and bad guys. We're just here to to find out what's going on and another way to sort of look at this industry and, and, and make it work for yourself as a human being. That's it. That's all I got. Well said. Thank you. Well said. All right. So, uh, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> let's do that thing we said we were going to do. Yeah. So I, you know, we were talking before we started recording that Jay, I just, I want to hear a quick update on not only these self tapes that you've got going on right now, you're always self taping something. I love it. But also, uh, you sent me a text message earlier today with a little screen grab of your Zero app showing me that you had fasted for, I think, the first time for 16 plus hours. So the health nerd in me wants to talk about that, but the artist and the actor in me wants to talk about your self-tape. So <laughs> uh, let's start with the... Who's going to win? Let's start with the actor. Let's start with the actor. Let's go with the actor. <laughs> the act- so, the so, artist won out. Yeah. <laughs> Self tapes, man. You're you're going self tape crazy over there. What is this for? Uh, blacklist again? Ah, uh, yeah. That that would be. It's you know what's funny about that is like if you guessed that, that would be the highest probability of like getting it right. I know. <laughs> it's like of all the of all the auditions I've had, be like, oh, actually, yes, you're right. Uh, no, the, it's funny because not many of these have been for television. It's been a lot of theater self tapes lately, which. Um, you know, is, is kind of weird in a way. Like that's how far the self taping thing has come is now actors are being asked to put themselves on tape for, for even theater, not just film and television. Um, which I don't think any actor would have expected that to be the case. Um, if you rewind the clocks a, a bit. Um, so when I first got back, obviously I had the Hamilton audition, um, that was really tough to be completely honest. Uh, I had some vocal issues going on at the time. You can kind of hear it in my voice in that recording. And, um, I put something on tape, but it was not my best. And we basically as a team had to decide not to turn it in. So I had this incredible opportunity and had to basically pass on it sort of, or just like not respond, like not basically send in the tape. And that was really hard, but, um, as soon as I'm feeling uh, 100% again, I'm going to be um, uh, putting myself on tape again and just sending it to them. And, and who knows if they haven't found someone by that time, maybe I'll still have a shot. Who knows? But I just want to do it just to just to do it, for, uh, even if it's just for my own sort of sanity's sake. Um, and then uh, I also got an opportunity to audition for something I've wanted to audition for uh, basically since college, which is um, OSF, uh, Oregon Shakespeare Festival, um, which is a really well-known – it's also a.k.a. Ashland. A lot of people know know it as, as Ashland uh, because it is in Ashland, Oregon. And it's just this really reputable um, Shakespeare company in Ashland, Oregon, um, and, uh, very, very sort of well-known in, in theater circles. And I've wanted to audition for that company since college. So to get that opportunity was, was just really, really cool. Um, and then, uh, just today I got two more, uh, auditions, uh, one that 
was for another um, musical theater thing that I'm not going to talk about quite yet. And another one for uh, a feature film, which is probably like an indie, uh, but still like this really cool part and um, kind of made for me. <laughs> this guy, I, I kid you not, the breakdown says um, uh, the this odd combination of an outdoorsman and a techie. <clears throat> that, I, oh I, I'm not kidding, Trevor. That is literally the the breakdown. Is the, the, the character's the name AJ Meyer? I know, right? I'm like, did they write this for me? Based off a I, podcast uh, per, they, person? Yeah. I, I, oh man. Uh, yeah, the jokes that my manager and I were making. But um, hmm. <clears throat> yeah, so, so all, you know, really exciting stuff. And um, it's just been like a lot. So I thought it, I thought it worth sort of noting Hmm. um on the podcast and these are all coming via your your manager uh yeah yeah right now all of these are via my my la manager la representation um although uh the one musical theater one was uh i guess you could consider it sort of a collaboration between um my la manager and my new york agents mm, awesome hey i have a yeah. favor to ask you Uh oh and i apologize for putting you on the spot here but could you do all of us a favor and put together a, a, a an equipment list that i know that this is available on camera ready you which david h lawrence uh the 17th has created but um i'm curious what you use and you don't have to talk about this right now but maybe something we could post on the website in the show notes a, a list of all the gear that you use to self-tape I know you often go over to Ben's place and, and use his stuff, but uh, just some basics. So Ben has actually put together a list that he will often um, email or text out to people when they ask that exact question. And when we did our class at UCLA, um, we sort of combined forces um, and and I took that list and I made some changes to it and I updated some things. And, um, you know, working at Apple, I also found some uh, additional, you know, equipment that was that was really helpful, like these new microphones and stuff. And we sort of replaced what we were using before with those microphones. And, um, you know, I've learned like little tricks and stuff um, with regards to to the um, the camera on the iPhone even to kind of um, help, you know, get a, just a better looking product. Um, but so, yeah, so I actually have that list already. Like it's already, I could copy and paste it from, I think I just sent it out to, um, who was it? It was one of our listeners. I think it was KGS actually. Um, so yeah, so I think I can, I can probably find that, um, and, and literally copy and paste it to, to you, or, or maybe I can, um, talk to Ben and ask him if you wouldn't mind us uploading it to the, um, to the website or the membership or something like that. Cool. And then real briefly, cause we have a, a listener question or two to get to, uh, tell us about your first intermittent fasting experience. Um, so I know this is going to sound like, I don't know if cheesy is the word, but basically like. Oh, I heard uh, Hugh Jackman did it or whatever. Like just, you know, one of those like sort of celebrity fat, you know, fad kind of things. But, uh, you know, Trevor's been doing it for a while. I've heard other people have been doing this intermittent fa- intermittent fasting thing for, for a while. And I, I was like, I don't know if I could do it. And I think I even, you know, we joked about it during one of the um, quarterly reviews. And I was like, let us know how it goes, Trev, starving yourself. Uh, and um and the thing that convinced me uh, or that really enrolled me uh, into trying it out is 
Um, yeah, they were saying that that Hugh Jackman did it um, as part of his preparation for um, for uh, Wolverine. And, and 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 the thing is, is like not not only did he do it in preparation for Wolverine, but he, Hugh is you know at the time like for instance Logan, I think he was like forty four or something like that. So the you know as you get older, obviously it's more difficult for your body to create these growth hormones and yada yada yada. And and I sort of I was getting to the point where I was getting a little bit. I don't know what the word is like almost like feeling like giving up because I was like, well, I'm beyond a certain age, you know, I'm over 30 and they say that like, you know, your, your body essentially stops making these growth hormones at a certain point. So like, oh, I'm not, I'm not ever going to be able to get, you know, very big. Um, so I, you know, what's the point kind of like, oh, what was me? I'm kind of, feeling. And I know like that's not the most empowering or inspirational thing, but it's just how I was feeling. Um, so to hear that someone, um, his age was able to do it and he was able to do it by using intermittent fasting to his advantage. I was like, okay, that it, that's enough to convince me because that makes me not feel like giving up. That makes me feel like anything as possible, um, with my body, regardless of how, how old I am. So that was it. That was like the final, that was like the final, uh, straw. I was like, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm totally in. What do I need to do? I started doing a bunch of research, downloaded the zero app, which you told me about. Um, you also told me about my pick of the week, but we'll get, we'll get there. Um, and uh, I was like, I was like, I'm in, I'm in. What do, what do I need to do? So uh, I've been doing it for two or three days, but I just started recording it in zero uh, for one day. Um, and uh, I went uh, almost 18 hours on my first day, and uh, we'll see what happens on uh, on here. We are on. I'm recording this on day two, basically. man well should we uh tackle one of these questions here i i really want to tackle the uh anonymous question that we got anonymous uh hang on let me scroll down to it yes i found it yeah so so this one uh came to us uh via our support at insideacting.net email address um and the question is this is cool does an agent's reputation disposition, etc. Does any of that affect his or her ability to get an actor in the room? For example, uh, a good friend of this podcast listener told this listener recently that producers and others, and this person is assuming casting directors, have told him directly, your agent is a real bitch. So uh, this listener goes on to say that although my agent is rated fairly highly, this agent can be a bit difficult to deal with at times and doesn't have the best reputation personality-wise. So the question is, does this affect this actor's ability to get in the room? In other words, would casting directors see this actor's submission, want to call this actor in, but then see who their rep is and have second thoughts because they don't want to deal with the 
this sort of slightly difficult person when trying to arrange a, a, a booking or just a, even an audition appointment. So uh, this this listener points out that this is commercially speaking, but uh, of course it goes across the board. So um, this is a great question, a great question, and I like it a so lot. So good. I, I, I like it a lot because it really brings into into um, focus the idea that an agent-actor relationship is a partnership. And at the end of the day, the agent is a salesperson for the actor. This is not some, you know, some superpower, you know, wielding God that has control over your career. This is somebody that you choose to partner with and that basically you pay a commission to go to bat for you and get you in the room. So if this is a thing that could possibly be hindering you getting into the room, that's a really important thing to be taken into consideration when choosing whether or not to continue this partnership. And I just want to presence that because I think this is a great example of, of keeping that top of mind. Is this somebody that I want to have representing me in, in business relationships in this industry, in an industry, to be honest, where, People don't often forget so easily. Mm. Uh, mm. Some some really uh, great advice that I received the day before I graduated college was from uh, Professor Bob Bittner. I love that guy. He's since retired, but I remember he gave us all a, a handout the day before we graduated or the last day of class. And on the handout were like eight or ten like principles basically on how to survive emotionally and physically in the entertainment industry. And one of them said uh, – Always forgive, but never forget. And I immediately clocked that. And I was like, oh, that's how that's how it works in the industry. People are willing to say, okay, you know, like, you're not an asshole. You've done some assholeish things, but you're not an asshole. But I'm going to keep that in mind because I don't want to get burned again. And, uh, you know, this this situation here could potentially taint an actor's reputation if they stick with somebody in the long haul that is regarded as, uh, to quote this email, a real bitch. So um, to answer the question, which is sort of a yes or no question at its most basic, I'm going to say it probably does affect an actor's ability to get into the room with some casting directors, especially if they've had a bad experience with with this agent in the past. Um, the good news is that uh, people like this typically don't tend to last very long in the industry, in my experience. The the cream of the crop really does rise to the top, and everybody else that's a jerk doesn't seem to last longer than a few years in my limited experience. But I've seen it happen. I've seen people be super popular and then just get blackballed by the industry, whether they're performers or rep- representatives or managers or whatever. I've seen it happen more than once. Um so I, I'm inclined to say that, yes, this this will affect your ability to get in the room. But it, you know, like to, to quote, uh, who was it, uh, uh, casting director that you interviewed? She said, it depends. Oh, Sheila Guthrie? She, thank you. Sheila Guthrie. Sheila Guthrie says, yeah. it depends. It, it depends. It depends. I mean, you have to always consider the source. Who Who is this calling this person a bitch? You know, what what's going on in their life? Uh, or do they have some personal vendetta with this person because... They dated that person's ex-boyfriend in high school. You never know, right? Mm. But um, it's something to keep to keep in mind. So I, I don't know. That's my super blathering response right yeah. off the cuff. Uh, what are you, what are your thoughts, AJ? 
I mean, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I, I would say it's like it's yes or no. It's either, um, you know, yes, it's going to affect it because of the all the reasons that you you know pointed out, or no, it's not going to because you have your own relationship with that casting director or that producer or you um your work sort of speaks for itself that's kind of what we always hope right that your work speaks for itself and that you they're going to want you so much so badly that they're willing to sort of overlook or forgive you know lots of different stuff not not just a you know a challenging um relationship with a with a represent with representation um and and like you trevor i've seen both you know i've seen where uh <laughs> i had a producer come up to me on a set of a short film once and be like um so uh so how long have you been with your manager and i was like uh a while you know i don't remember how long it had been at the time and they were like oh yeah she's um she's really uh and i said a ball buster and she was like yeah and i was like yeah i was like well you know, on the one hand, you have people who think that she's off-putting, and on the other hand, you have people who respect her because a she's been in the industry a long time, and a lot of people know who she is, and b um, she's not going to take you know any basically she's not going to take any shit from anybody. Um, so you know, it it really just depends on. You know, it depends on your level too. Like, where are you at in your career, and are you a, a commodity that um, kind of you know speaks for itself? Most of the people who listen to our show, or you know, the person who maybe wrote this question in, or whatever, may not be. They may not be in a place in their career where it, it, um, their body of work is going to speak for itself outside of <clears throat> um, an agent, but. The thing is, is like these are people, right? We're every, you know, we talk about it all the time. It's a relationship business. These are people. Everybody in the industry is a human being, and human beings have weird relationships uh, and weird uh, personality flaws, and don't like certain people, and and other people don't like other people. And so you may have, uh, you know, some some representation that uh, you know doesn't get along with casting director A and B, but they have a great relationship with casting director C or producer D. Um, and you just, I don't know, you just never know um, what kind, you know, who, who they do get along with, who they don't get along with, and how those relationships are going to bear fruit for you. Um, and, you know, you just, I mean, I think everything you said is, is dead on, Trev. It's like you have to kind of make that decision sort of have to make that decision for yourself and decide if how do I want to say this like the relationship the most important relationship is the one that you have with them I think is is a great summary of what you said Trevor that's the most important relationship the one that you have with your representation don't concern yourself necessarily with the one that other people in the industry have with them uh, because if you have a good relationship with them, maybe you can then go, Hey, you know, uh, I'm hearing some things and here's where I think it's coming from. And, you know, what do you think that's about? Like are, you know, 
are you, when you're out there representing me, as you said, Trevor, when you're out there representing me, are you representing me in, you know, the best possible, you know, light or are you kind of, you know, bullying people around or what, you know, I don't know what the, um, accusations are outside of just calling somebody a bitch. That's kind of, that's pretty general or vague, you know, but what, what are the, what are the, what are the actual, you know, accusations? Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Like the responsibility lies in, in, in you to have that conversation, you know, and they may say, yeah, you know what? I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And, and, and if they're, you know, have that sort of level of confidence, then okay, then now you get to make another decision. Is that like, are you, are you going to be like, ah, well, yeah, that's true. Not everyone is not everyone else's cup of tea. Or are you going to say, well, I don't know if I want that kind of attitude representing me out in the industry. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's such a judgment call, you know, and there's so many variables at play and, and really the, the what's provided in this question doesn't really provide enough information to, to make a call either way, you know, one way or the other. And really nobody can know the answer to this except, except the person who has the relationship with the, with the other person. So, uh, hopefully that our responses have, have offered some food for thought and, uh, you know, empowered, informed and inspired you to move forward, um, in a new light, I guess. And of course, we would love to hear from anybody listening who's had a similar experience who might have a different uh, take on this or who has some further insight. Please don't hesitate to shoot us an email, a voicemail, a comment, a voice memo, a tweet, or whatever. We'd love to um, add that to the conversation because this is something that hasn't come up, I don't think, ever in the history of the podcast. This this idea that your representation could be blocking you from ha- getting in the room because of their personality, um, which happens, but... Um, it's so subjective and so personal. Uh, so it's hard to say. Um, but we'll yeah, be, we'll it's be, a pretty yeah. deep rabbit hole too. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it really is. I'm yeah. sure there's gonna be people who, if they decide, you know, if, you, if listeners decide to write or call or, or, or in other ways, get in touch with the podcast, there's gonna be a lot of different, well, you know, well, I think that's terrible. And, you know, they're your representation. And there's, I, I can imagine this causing a lot of, um, emotional response. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'd love to hear more. Uh, thank you so much for the question. Uh, really, really appreciate the contribution to the conversation. And, uh, on that note, we are, um, we're ready to di- to, to dig into Doug's interview. <laughs> That's a weird, um, confusing thing to say. Yeah. Um, so anything to add, uh, AJ, before we, we jump in? No, I'm I'm so excited to hear this. Um, you know, obviously, you and I go way back with uh, Mr. Bressler, and um, loved having him on, loved having him on the show before, and excited to have him on again. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to hear this. Cool. Yeah, he's a great dude, and and I I don't know if I say this in the actual interview, but he is more or less the guy behind the guy behind the guy that uh is responsible for this here podcast happening doug yeah set us up with all the good point yeah he set us up with the gear he's offered some interesting like you know 
RSS feed support throughout the years. Uh, some definitely some advice on how to move forward. You know, creating the podcast, staying uh, you know engaged and, and inspired with it. it Got to can't thank him enough. He is a driving force behind this podcast, especially in those early years. So enjoy this updated conversation, which which jumps right into it, guys. We don't waste any time. We get right into it, and it, it goes a little deeper than I thought we would. So uh, enjoy the the wisdom bath, as it were. And we'll catch you on the other side. everybody this is trev and uh we have a very special interview lined up for you today because i am sitting down on one end of a skype call with a long time very good friend and one of the most creative and professional and dedicated committed to excellence people that i know and that is someone from all the way back in the podcast sort of birthing years this is mr doug doog tunes bressler uh he was episode four and we talked about was it the perks and pitfalls of marketing yourself as an actor on the internet? And it's been a long time. And Doug, you've evolved into many, many different things uh, since we last talked. You were primarily invested in animation at that time, but now you're doing a lot of live action direction and you've worked with Fox and ESPN and and been featured all over the place. So uh, really excited to, to sit back down with you here. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Well, thank you. And thank you for that lovely interview. It was, it was very nice. Um, yeah, I, I, I uh, I'm excited to be back, and now the pressure's on. We were chatting before you started recording, and now I feel the looming pressure of being of, of having to appear to be intelligent and funny. Yeah, well, and you know, it's there's there's even more pressure because we were just talking about how we've known each other for so long. I mean, I met you back in the early days of working at Apple. I must have been. 12 years ago, 13 years ago now, and... I think it was, I think it was about 11 for me. Yeah, I left in 2006. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were we, we were joking about how we're, we're both kind of becoming old men at this point, and, <laughs> and you didn't... Uh, you, you were just saying that you were reserving your swear words for special occasions at this point, and, and I, yeah. asked, I asked you what your preferred bedtime was, and uh, I'm, I'm curious. When do, you go to, when do you go to bed? To touch on the swear words thing, I was just saying how I reserve my swear words uh, for very special occasions because I don't want them to lose their significance. I don't want to, to, them to lose their power. So I, I reserve them for very, very specific situations and when I, so that when I say them, I really mean them and I get everything out of them. So, you know? so what, what is a specific – can you give us an example of a situation worthy of a swear word? I think I'm pretty selfish with, with with my swear words. I I rarely say something uh, that's crude in public, just because I try to be as classy as possible. But in private, when nobody's listening, you know, if I stub my toe or something like that, then I would probably yell out the f word, and then I would because I rarely say it. It's like boom, I I feel it. I have that power, and then I can let go. You know, and I don't have to dwell on it. It's just like it had so powerful that it's done. You know, I, I can't, you can't go any farther. So that's, that's why 
I rarely say, you know, all those words. And and it's not not because, you know, I care about being proper or whatever, but I think, you know, I think that uh, because everybody knows what those words are and they know what they mean, but why say them if they can be used in such hurtful or such, you know, crazy ways, reserve them for, you know, selfish purposes where they're not directed at anybody, but you can use them within your own private time to really, really get out a feeling that you that you have, you know. You know, I'm I'm curious. When we're on this track, how has this? Uh, this sounds like it's sort of a smaller piece of a larger sort of personal evolution. What has that been like, especially as it pertains to your creative career and all the collaborative projects you're involved with? Uh, I think, I think. Oh boy. Well, in a nutshell, I know you were recently on my show. Uh, called Video Game Life. It's a brand new show, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But you said something that was very interesting to me, and you said eliminating all ego uh, as part of your video game. That would be a challenge. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that is, can be a, a, attributed to many artists' life. Uh, and it's a challenge because there's this, this thing called ego that actually holds a lot of us back in terms of creating the best work that we can. Um, and in many ways, I mean, I think that the most brilliant, brilliant, brilliant uh, artists, maybe can get, you can kind of give them a little license to have that ego just because they can do things that nobody ever would ever dream of. And so it's like, hey, if they're going to have that attitude, then, you know, just allow them, you know, but that's reserved for just such a small group of people. Most people, they have the ego, but they don't have the the true unbridled talent. So the ego gets in the way and it prevents them from actually growing and becoming better artists and learning and evolving. And so I think that if you go into anything thinking, my voice is the most important of all, and I want my voice to be heard and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to, you know, save the world with my art or my stand-up comedy or my cartoons or my movies or my music or whatever. You're in for a rocky road because that's not how the world works. Mm. You know, you it's know? it's cool to hear you talk about this, too, because when you first started off and you created DukeTunes.com, you were primarily working as an animator more or less on your own. You were like the head honcho of your own company calling all the shots. And as you've grown and evolved and branched out, your work has become increasingly collaborative. So it was were, were there moments where you had to sort of learn what you just talked about the hard way? Or was this uh, – what was that like? Absolutely. And, you know, there are some projects I still work on completely on my own just because uh, it's something that – you know, I think that we all should have as like our own little thing that we do for ourselves type of thing. But I think that in terms of, uh, you know, collaborating more and more as I've gotten older, it's it takes time for people to realize, including myself, that art is a collaborative process and there are people that do things way better than you could ever do them just because they have innate talent. And they, you know, if they are down to collaborate as well, all of their talents combined can create something 
far more amazing than anything that you could do by yourself. And, you know, it's, uh, it's just a fact. It's not even an opinion. It's a fact. It's, you know, it's the, the more minds working together, uh, exceeds one mind. Yeah. So it was, always does. was there, uh, an event that was sort of, that sort of put that in your face, like a sort of come, come to Jesus moment? Yes, it was see, looking around me and seeing everybody's, you know, getting out of the bubble. And, you know, because when you do something that not a lot of people are doing and it succeeds and you have something distinct, then you also have a lot of people that are kind of pushing up your ego, buffering up your ego uh, and, you know, complimenting. This is amazing. This is the greatest thing ever, blah, 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 blah. And then you kind of let it get to your head and then you be, you start falling into this bubble, becoming enclosed in this bubble of all of these people just pushing you up. It, it happens to a lot of people. That if they become successful, they get an entourage and their entourage is just, you know, I, I hate to say it, a lot of the time, maybe, maybe not all the time, but a lot of the time it's just a bunch of people leeching off of that person. Just showering them with compliments all the time. Dude, you're the best. Your music is awesome. Your movies are awesome. Da, 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 da. You're the greatest, 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 greatest. And then when the money disappears, they all disappear, right? So it's for me, it was just, it wasn't anything like that. It was, you know, I had a little bit of success early on. And then I had this thing where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this, this just unbridled kind of like confidence. And then I kind of looked around and I saw all of this emerging talent and i and i it was it was definitely a humbling experience because i realized that you know we all have a long way to go <laughs> and this is this is many many years ago uh but it's i i really do believe that if you succeed at a young age it's a curse it uh and some people survive the curse and some people don't so you have to really be aware of that. If you do something that's a, a viral hit and you're not old enough to understand all of the painstaking work that went into it, then you're in for a long road of trouble because it's, it's important. It's important to have grounding. It's important to have a perspective. And um, you can't, you know, a lot of people say it. They say you can't rest on your laurels. You can't do one thing and expect, oh, I'm set for life, you know, because it's not the way the world works, especially now, even more than ever. It's like, what? what's next? What's mm -hmm. next? What's next? Yeah. You know, you're, you're echoing some sentiments that I remember Tony Horton saying when we interviewed him. He's the creator of P90X and uh, he's a Beachbody celebrity trainer. And he talked a lot about being real with people and, you know, keeping your ego in check and not being a douchebag once you get super sort of rich and famous and how really success he, he, he i remember this very specifically he said it's all smoke and mirrors he said mm. there, there's just no there's no substance there like once you create something the only thing left to do is to go back and start creating something else again and and right. then he and then he also said uh and what you just said reminded me of this he said uh getting to the top really hard staying there even harder because there are Probably so impossible. many people that yeah. want to, they want your job. They want to, you right. know, toss you off the pedestal there. Right. 
if if pedestal is the right word, but you know the, the throne, <laughs> the throne, so to speak. Um, but hey, we, you know it's been a long time since our our listeners have heard from you, and you are one of the, in my mind at least, you are one of the sort of original people to to, to sort of be part of the podcast movement. I, I know you started that with video podcasts primarily, but you're a big reason inside acting exists, and you've since branched out into audio podcasts as well. I think you've had three. Uh, audio podcasts in addition to your Dugtoons work, uh, if you include Animation Ninja, Video Game Life, and Pre-Recorded Friends. That's right, which you were a part of for a while. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was it a lot was. of fun. So It was. So, and then, of course, live action. Uh, many of our listeners may recall the uh, the Terminator music video that I was so stoked about. Well, that was Doug's creation. Doug and his brother uh, came up with that and created that, and, and you, Doug directed it. And, you did a wonderful job as the T-800. Oh, man. I the had Terminator. I had such a blast with that. So uh, can you take us through uh, sort of why you wanted to, to pursue this lifestyle path instead of going off into commercial real estate or something like that? And then, and then what that evolution has been like since those early days of podcasting through till now? Well, it's really funny because every year you think you're like, oh, wow, that's the meaning. Oh, this is why I do this, or this is why I'm like this. And then every year, you know, you think of, you get another eureka moment. So it's like every year that goes by, you know, you're constantly soul searching and you're like, what is the, what is, if, if I could boil down my purpose into one quintessential meaning and, you know, what on this, on this planet that's seemingly meaningless, uh, a blue ball of, of a, a speck of dust in the middle of the, the universe, you know, what is, what's my purpose for being here? I don't mean to depress anybody, but what's my purpose of being here on this planet and, um, I think I I honestly think that the 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 purpose is what you make of it, right? And it's what brings you joy and what brings you something to look forward to. And it it really should be in alignment with what brings other people joy. Because if it's something that only brings you joy, it's going to be a very lonely road. So I think the, the 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 point is to find something that brings you joy that also will help other people or entertain other people or educate other people or inspire other people. Because if you can combine those two things, then you've hit a home run. And that, that I think, is, is the ultimate thing. Because, you know, what, what other point is there to be on this planet? Are you going to just climb up on a mountain and just live your life as a hermit? You know, maybe some people want to do that. I don't know. So, but for me, it was, you know, doing all these projects is was kind of my way of trying to figure out what that thing was, where I was fulfilled and other people, and I felt like I was helping other people, entertaining them or, you know, because I never wanted to do something that was a big success that I would dread, you know, I don't want success that bad i i i want it the right way you know i want it to be a success only if it fits those two criteria if i enjoy it and it fulfills my happiness and joy and if it fulfills the happiness and joy of other people that's the only reason i would continue to do something so i think a lot of things a lot of projects that i've tried on the way um have kind of fulfilled that a little bit here and there 
But ultimately, I'm just, you know, I've been kind of trying this here like a laboratory, you know, in a way. Pre-recorded Friends was a lot of fun. And we had a great time. I was so happy you were part of it. And uh, it was, a, it was a, a, you know, a great show. But it had its run. And then we moved on. Maybe it'll have a resurgence someday. I don't know. I'm still friends with everybody, including my brother, <laughs> who was also one of the hosts, and Billy Reed, who was the other host, and you as well. So maybe that will, you know, have a resurgence some, sometime in the future. And then um, Animation Ninja was my idea of something that I'm very interested in, which is animation, and also talking to other people that were doing animation or involved in animation that... I could maybe use that platform to help other people that were listening to the show get informed about what it takes to succeed or make a living doing animation. So that was my attempt with that show, or it is my attempt with that show, because the show is going to probably keep going indefinitely. Uh, And then Video Game Life, which is my newest project, is something I've actually been working on and and this is like one of my realizations. I've been working on it pretty much since college. Oh, wow, no. really? Before that, yeah. Uh, how well, so? I, because it just launched a, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I've actually asked that question, if your life was a video game, to people since 2006 in my interviews, right? And so I did not know what it would lead to. But I knew that it was a fun question, so I would ask that when I was would interview people 10 years ago or 11 years ago. And then I remembered in college, I created a video game based on my life. So You created an actual game, like a playable yeah, game? Yeah, a playable game. It was, um, it was on the Mac. On the Mac, there was a platform, an application called World Builder. And it was, uh, if you guys, any of you guys are Mac nerds, then you'll know what I'm talking about. It was a kind of a role-playing game creator. And it was a lot, it was awesome. You could basically create an entire graphical adventure game uh, with this program. And it was one of those things where you see the screen and it's a piece of art, and it says, where do you want to go? East, north, south, west. And then you type in one of those commands, or you say search, and you'll find an item, that kind of thing. So I programmed a game of my college life. And I remember I had actually took a picture of one of my roommates, and I digitized them, and I put them in the game, and I showed them to my roommate and they totally got freaked out. They're like, why am I in your game? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And I was like, yeah, I was like, uh, I just kind of wanted to experiment. I'm just trying out this, this, you know, making a game, you know? So this idea of, I think that's when I probably stopped the game because I was like, this could get dangerous, you know? Um, But I think that was the first step towards this show. And the whole uh, conceit is that, I am asking people one simple question, and that is, if your life was a video game, what would it be like? And the answers that I've gotten from that simple question are extremely profound and totally – some are very silly. Some are, you know, pretty trivial, 
you know, goofy answers, but some are super deep. And sometimes I've even got people to get misty eyed talking about their video game life. And you've banked like a, a few dozen interviews already and we're only on episode, what, five, six, seven, something like that? I have about 45 in the bank, yeah, in, in the queue. So we're only at episode nine. So uh, I'm going to probably release one a week until I run out and then probably about 10, 10 in before I run out, I'm going to start doing more. But um, it's just the beginning. This is an audio podcast, but the whole idea is to expand it into something much bigger and have it be uh, an animated live action show and then also have some standalone episodes as well. But it's just the just the very beginning and I'm, I'm super excited about it. I more excited than I have been in a long time about any project. That is really exciting. Now, I, I want to go back to something that I remember saying in episode four when we interviewed you all those years ago. And this is a moment that's somehow, for some reason, burned into my memory. And this was when uh, we were at Apple together and we had the whole back of the store as like our break room. And I remember walking back there and you were staring at the computer screen just sort of with your head in your hand. And I, I said, what are, you, what are you doing? And you said, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to make a living through my website. <laughs> and, and, I, and then uh, just a short while later, you figured out how to do that. You, you figured out how to monetize not only some of the content you were creating, but also you started doing commission work and working for the companies eventually. So I know not every project that you've created has paid off monetarily for you. Mm -hmm. But what has worked and why, why do you continue to make all these little experiments when you could just be a, a hired gun? Well, uh, I, I think it, over the past 10 years, it's been kind of a mix of commission projects and then own my own projects now. Now I have more of kind of a stable job working at a sh I, I'm working on a show right now. So, um, you know, when I get a, a regular paycheck and everything, but it wasn't always like that. Can, can we talk about what show you're working for? Sure. Yeah. I'm working on an NBC show. Uh, or it's E Entertainment uh, called the Rundown. It's on Snapchat, and it's a it's been doing very well. It's a vertical format show, which is very strange to a lot of folks. But uh, it's a simple um, it's a simple explanation. It's basically instead of holding your phone horizontally to watch it, you hold your phone vertically, and so the whole show is cut and edited and shot in a way that you can watch it with one hand as opposed to holding your phone with two hands horizontally. And the whole thing airs on Snapchat inside the app. So they, they follow, they follow that account and they can just watch this show unfold. Yeah. We were actually, I think the first official show for, um, for, from no, for Snapchat. Yeah. I think we're the, we're kind of like the, the, what do they call it? The, um, Trailblazer? No, I wouldn't want to say that much. But uh, the debut show for the for the platform, yeah. Jeez, do they still call those mobisodes, or did we like move way past? that? I think we're move. We moved past that. I think mobile. Yeah, I think uh, I think now it's just a a snap story. That's what it's called for these for these things. But the show's fun. It's really fun. And what I like about it is that I get a lot of creative input, a lot of creative control. And it, 
it's it fulfills that that you know uh, for me, but it also gives me freedom because when the job is done, I can go and work in my own projects. So it doesn't it doesn't loom over me like a cloud. You know, it's like I can do that, and then I go and I work on my projects. So it's uh, which is why I'm using my time away from that show to do things like video game life or to do more cartoons on the side or that kind of thing. But um, I think, you know, it's, it's getting, if you, if you want to talk about like the, the climate of everything in terms of digital media, I think we're getting closer and closer to a time like when, you know, that story you're, you're talking about, about me looking at the podcast and saying, how, do, how can I make a living? That was a special time because it was so new that everybody that i mean nobody knew about it but there were a few people that knew about it and they wanted to really get into it and take advantage of the fact that it was a brand new medium and that you know jump on board and just pump out as much content as possible to get a, a head start and i think that that happened at a very slow pace in the in the beginning and then about 2008 2009 it just boom it hit and everybody jumped on and then by about 2011 it became saturated and then now it's very saturated <laughs> so the good news is that places like Netflix and Hulu and digital streaming services are pumping out content so there's lots of opportunities for people um the unknown news is what will happen uh, at the end of this surge, this saturation surge. So um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that things are a lot different back then. And I think that for me, there were opportunities that I was uh, that I had that I don't think a lot of people would have now, just because the stakes are different, you know, and I, and I hate to say it, but the value put upon content, it would seem that it, sh it would go up because the content's getting better and higher quality and polished. But I, th I don't know about that. I, I, w I don't want to say it's gone down, but I don't know if, if the value placed upon media uh, in content has gone up or down because it's so saturated now and there is content streaming out of your ears. Dude, everybody just, has a podcast now. Everybody, everybody has and their a mother podcast. has a podcast. Everybody has a show, has something, a pilot or whatever. It's like, it's insane. And that has something to do with the technology improving, the accessibility. I mean, I have a camera. I just bought a, I just invested in, in a uh, GH5, which is Panasonic's flagship video camera. And it um, is an amazing camera. It shoots 4K and it looks like something that you would get from a RED, which is a $30,000 camera. I bought it for 2000 And the lens was another grand. So it's 3, 3K for, uh, for something that a few years ago costs 10 times as much. Right. So the accessibility is getting uh, greater and we can now create content that looks good 
And with a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of talent, you can make a feature film with no money at all. And um, it's absurd. But that's the thing. It's with all this content, it's it's harder and harder to kind of get your work seen. But I think that talent is talent. And that will always be the case. So what what worked for you back then, all those years ago, to help you sort of put yourself on the map and get the attention of some of these people who could hire you? And then what might you advise for people in today's climate where things are so different? I would do I would advise them to do exactly the same thing that I did, which is find a market that is not saturated, that has potential. And I think that anybody that has been in the content making business for a long time would advise the same thing, which is you, you can't just, you know, shoot into like if, if, okay, for instance, say you absolutely love uh, Beanie Babies, right? And Beanie, Beanie Babies, there's 500 shows about Beanie Babies. I don't know why I said Beanie Babies. Let, let's pick something that's a little bit more modern. Um, yeah, you're dating yourself there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say, hmm, what's the big thing now? Oh, dude, you're asking the wrong person. I'm still mm. in Ninja Turtle land. <laughs> well, everything that is old is new again. Yeah, it comes around and again. Re yeah. Reinvent everything. So, um, oh, man, I would say, let's just say Ninja Turtles because you like Ninja Turtles. So Ninja Turtles, say that there are 500 shows about Ninja Turtles. And they're all funny shows or they're all entertaining. If you tried to do a show about Ninja Turtles, you're already competing with 500 other shows. So it's one of those things where you have to kind of find where the hole is that you can fill. Uh, and you find something that not a lot of people are doing, but that you're totally into and then try to fill that hole so that people will say, you know, I really wish there was blah, blah, blah show that was made just for me. Everybody wants that. They want that show that they feel was made just for them. So if you find that hole and you fill it with your show and people find it, they go, there's no other show that's doing what this guy's doing or this girl's doing. This is my show. And that's, that's how you build your audience out of nothing. And, and the real challenge is finding the people, the niche, that will find your show. Now, that's, that's the independent way of doing it. There's other ways of doing it, too, and that is creating a pilot or something like that and then pitching and doing that route. But, you know, that's, that's difficult as well. Hey folks, welcome back to The Bookends. Hope you dug our revisit with Mr. Doug Bressler. Uh, thanks, Trev, for grabbing this interview. I'm really excited. I'm uh, unfortunately at this vantage, have not had an opportunity to listen to it quite yet, but I'm really excited to um, to hear uh, how he's doing. Good, good, like good friend of us personally and good friend of the podcast. Um, I hadn't thought about the fact that like, yeah, he really is, was, is, and was instrumental in, uh, in, in having us be successful here. So, um, you listeners, you have a lot to thank him for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a good man, that Doug Bressler. 
so we are we're tight on time. There was there was so much sort of like you said circuitous talk about that last question before the interview. Yeah, what, what's what's what do you got for us this week? So my pick of the week is a rehash of a prior pick of the week that you have picked, Trevor. But um, I have been using it um, sort of for the first time. I never. Um, I never picked it up, but in the past when you've when you've talked about it, but um, the you need a budget uh, software or service online YNAB as it is uh, commonly known, um, have been using that quite a bit lately, and I'm really enjoying it. It's not, I don't know how to say this. It's not the most fun thing because you're still dealing with like your budget. So it's not like, you know, I don't want anybody to, to get any, you know, delusions about like, I'm like, you know, get YNAB and doing your budget will be fun. Ha ha ha. No, it's still like it's work and it's kind of challenging to figure out. I'm, I'm blessed to have a, um, someone with a lot of accounting experience as a, as a girlfriend. So that's been really helpful um, because I'm, when we first started using it, I was like, I do not understand this at all. But now that I've gotten uh, more and more used to it and and, uh, and sort of figured out how it all works. Um, I'm really enjoying um, not only uh, using it, but the 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 learning aspect of it, um, because you do learn a lot, not just about your budget, but sort of like accounting and and tracking and maintaining your um, you know your spend each month, and uh, and that's been. Uh, really handy um, and uh, and kind of embarrassing <laughs> in terms of uh, what you spend uh, what you spend all your money on there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what is your pick of the week, my friend? All right, I'll be quick. I watched a very powerful documentary, as I frequently do. I watch very powerful documentaries, but uh, Chasing Coral. It's the same filmmaking team behind Chasing Ice, which was your pick of the week a while ago, AJ. Uh, in which these filmmakers followed, um, I don't know, I don't know if he was like a scientist or a photographer, but this guy who basically spent some time in the Arctic and set up some cameras and left and came back and like documented the retreating of the glaciers as climate yeah. change sets in. It was really dramatic. It was sort of a sobering look at at what's happening in the Arctic as the climate very rapidly changes and how it how completely unprecedented it is. That was that movie, Chasing Ice. Check it out. Chasing Coral is another take at that. It's the same premise. These filmmakers uh, team up with these scientists to look at the um, bleaching of the coral reefs. And there's a lot of... um, Let me just say this. I wanted to go to school for marine biology after watching this movie. Uh, Not only because I was so fascinated and enamored with the coral corals i should say just just like they you know they're called the lungs of the ocean the rainforests of the ocean they are that diverse and beautiful and dynamic and full of life and they are uh such a huge part of our ecosystem they're they are a whole branch of the tree of life and they are disappearing right before our eyes as the oceans warm and acidify and uh it's it's um it's a very compelling movie. I was in it the whole time. I was definitely engaged, but I didn't find it to be the most uplifting. There, there's really no way to paint a, a nice picture of what's mm. happening. Uh, you know, the oceans absorb 93% of the heat and the carbon and the other greenhouse gases that are emitted into the atmosphere, which is a good thing because otherwise the, uh, in the movie, I think they say the average surface temperature of the planet would be over 129 degrees. 
So it's a very good wow. thing that we have the oceans to soak all that up. However, it does come with consequences, and one of those consequences is that the ocean is acidifying, which means it is absorbing the carbon and forming carbonic acid, uh, which makes it very difficult for uh, sh- uh, sea creatures to form shells, to form their calcium carbonate shells. So basically, it's like an acid. They literally dissolve. They, they dissolve in the water. It's really kind of sad and awful. And it's affecting the coral reefs in, in awful ways, too, because the the water is both too warm and too acidic for these coral to survive. And so they are just dying in mass. And um, I was talking to our friend Jacqueline's husband the other day uh, when we had a meeting at the Douglas. He's a marine biologist. And I told him about this movie. And uh, and he said, yeah, you know, it's we've known about this for a long time. And, and um, it's really not a question of if the corals you know, the coral reefs die and, and disappear. It's more a question of when, um, which is sobering. Uh, and that's sort of the way the movie ends. It, it tells you all this stuff and it's beautiful and terrifying at the same time. And at the very end, it's like, so educate your children. <laughs> you know? like, oh God. It's like, it's like there there's are, nothing to it's, be it's, done. It's very much like a help me Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi. You're my only hope kind of thing. It's, it's like at the very end, it, 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 it ends on a hopeful note, but it's like, it's clear that like our generation fucking blew it. Uh, so it, it, you know, definitely watch the movie. Extremely important. Uh, really fascinating. You're going to want to go study marine biology afterwards, but, um, just want to be a marine biologist yeah. as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I for a few days afterwards, I thought long and hard about it. I was like, what would it take to go back and get a degree in marine biology? That would be really – I want to be part of the solution when it comes to this stuff. So yeah. uh, fascinating movie. Check it out. Chasingcoral.com. Uh, and just uh, if you've got a Netflix subscription and who doesn't, uh, just search for Chasing Coral. You'll, you'll see it. All right. Uh, so that is uh, YNAB. For your budgeting needs and wishes and desires and goals and chasing coral for a very important but sobering look at at just how dramatically things are changing and how quickly underneath the surface of the ocean. Uh, Check them out. Hope you enjoy them. Please let us know what you think. We have a listener pick of the week that we're going to share next episode. We've got a little bit more time. Uh, But that's it for this episode of Inside Acting. Take it away, AJ. (laughs) Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and hosted by me, AJ Meyer. You just heard my name. Why am I saying? And of course, Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Guberg is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Grace Gordon is our director of public relations. And Fern Lim designed our logo. Trevor Algat edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. Head over to our website to sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes, including the very first interview we did with Doug all the way back in episode four. And then you can compare it to the one that we that we are airing now. Uh, you can find all that insideacting.net and also find us on social media if you'd like to stalk us. Uh, it's Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, all those places. Uh, and listen to the podcast, of course, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute, because iTunes is the big dog in the block, if you leave us a review there, a nice five-star review, we would love you long time. That'd be really, really cool. So um, if you do nothing else, head over to iTunes, leave us a nice review. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro, PrintHeadshots.com, and Bio to go the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. You can visit vo2gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover class. 
that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And of course, thanks to you, our listeners. You can visit our website to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, get links to everything we talked about in this here episode. And if you'd like, support the continued production of the show with either a one-time financial contribution or an ongoing contribution as part of our membership. Just visit insideacting.net to learn more and show us some love. All right, and that's it for episode 289 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime... Wisdom bath, anyone? <laughs>